you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Recording podcast episode one thirty five. What's going on, Neil? What's up, buddy? How are you today? I'm good. Another day, beautiful day today, man. I took a little nap out on the deck today. It's a, it's a, it's a gloomy, terrible day, man. I don't know if you heard, but the Queen of England is no longer with us. It, I it, did hear that. Yeah, you you slept right through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, well, she lived a long, good life. Ninety six years, seventy one. Seventy one years as the Queen of England. Isn't wow. that just insane? Yeah. I don't think I'd want that life. No. Uh-uh. Couldn't do anything. Not without eyes on you. Now, you know what you time. couldn't do? Take a nap on your deck. When you got out. <laughs> There'd be all kinds of photographs with it. <laughs> Mouth hanging open. Yeah. <laughs> We're okay. going to have some uh, Knob Creek nine-year-old tonight Whoop. while we talk to another great guest, Dylan Blue. So, welcome, Dylan. Hey. hey thanks, y'all. Thank Dude, you for having me. Listen to that voice. Happy Cheers. to be here. Man, he's got a broadcast voice, doesn't he? How can you have a voice like that and not <laughs> sing, man? <laughs> People are telling me that. <laughs> Mm. Nine year baby. Mm. I like Knob Creek. I really it's your it, favorite. It, it, I think Knob always, Creek's your favorite. It's uh it's up there at the top. Yeah. yeah. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like it a lot. <laughs> Good for what ails you. Yeah, no kidding, man. On days even on like, you know, you mentioned uh you're ready for a drink because you had one of those days at work. Even on, I had a good day at work and it's still time for a bourbon. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> well, it's Thursday after all. That's true. I say it on Tuesday too, those most of the time. Monday. Yeah. We've never had, no, we did have a non-drinking bourbon, uh, uh, non-drinking podcast. We had uh, somebody who wasn't 21. We had root beer. Yeah, that's not, I, you all had root beer. I had root beer, but I also had a bourbon. Oh, did you? You yeah, cheated? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, Did man. I cheat too? I don't remember. No, you didn't. You okay. stayed true, but I, I had yeah. one on the side. <laughs> that was some good root beer, man. I still look for that root beer. It was. What was that, root, what was that root beer called? Freddy's root beer. Yeah, I still yeah. get one from my buddy JR from time to time when I'm, you know, hand him his mail. He hands me a root beer. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. This is a great deal. It was good. <laughs> great trade. <laughs> so Dylan Blue, where, where's Blue come from? Is that your name? Yeah, well, it's not my real name. It's kind of funny, though. It almost was. Uh, my mom, right after she had me, apparently really wanted to name me Dylan Blue to make my middle name Blue. And then my last name would be Weber Owens, which it is. And uh, as the story goes, my dad kind of vetoed that hard. He was like, <laughs> I think maybe, I don't know if that's the best idea. And I don't really know the story. But in any case, I ended up Dylan Elijah Weber Owens. Um, but... 
going back to the blue thing, I just kind of, I felt that it touched something about um, me when I was younger, something about my inner child, you know, um, some things that I'm trying to address or give room for through this music. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And also, I, I really like blues music. My music is influence. It's definitely not blues, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's like a little part of it too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's also yeah. the name of a Versace cologne. Jesus, are you I serious? Saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that happened like a month after I started promoting and really pushing. I was like, oh man, but maybe I need a tie. Maybe in. they'll no. pick you yeah. up. Maybe you'd be a sponsor. You know, you wear nothing but Versace suits while you're <laughs> that, playing music. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, Dylan, you know, whenever we're getting ready for these podcasts, I always shoot around the internet and, you know, see what's out there and see what you can find. That's how I knew it was a clone. By, by doing a Google search. <laughs> really? mm-hmm. But we came across you just uh, because there are like eight or nine really good guitar playing posts that you put on Instagram. <laughs> and that's it. Well, thanks. Well, yeah. Uh, it's um, just something I've been getting back into lately. I've Obviously, I've been playing for a while. I say obviously, but... <laughs> um, you don't play like that unless you've been playing a yeah. while. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> thank you. It's just um, something that I let take a back seat for a long time. And so I, I've kind of had this tumultuous relationship with social media where I'll work for a while and build up a following and post a bunch of stuff and just be like, all right, I'm not doing that mm-hmm. anymore. And I'll delete an account and uh, leads me to having this kind of funny little account. But I'm working on building back up some yeah, you, you do, know, uh, and stuff. it is easy to get to a point where you're like, man, I don't have control of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what hits me, man. I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> that is yeah. not, I don't have yeah. that issue. You got to deal with that issue on our end. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't have to deal with that. So, uh, well, I'll let you ask the question because it's, it sounds like yeah. there's an interesting story here involving, you know, the separation. But Yeah. So we always start the podcast with this question, Dylan. So just, just take us back to childhood and let, let's start with your early memories of music. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, for one thing, my dad is a classical guitarist. And so coming up, I didn't start playing until I was 16, but that guitar music was always around the house, you know, um, which was definitely a huge influence. And I even remember when I started playing, there were specific songs that I asked him to teach me just because I remembered them for so long. I didn't even know what they were called until he told me, you know, mm. that one that goes, and so I started doing it that way and kind of got into fingerstyle, you know, instrumental stuff. But then I also started writing songs in more traditional format. Um, and I was in a folk band for a while called Beatty here in town. Um, that was probably from when I was 18 into my early 20s, uh, 21 or so. And it was me and three other close friends doing acoustic folk music with uh, guitars, banjos, cello, violin, whatever else we could kind of rustle up. Uh, A couple other friends. Actually, we recorded an album with a total of six personnel, um, seven including the engineer who played bass. Um, And we released that. that group? Beatty is okay. what they're called, B-A-E-D-Y. We released an album called Youngest Days on Sauna Blast Records. Um, can't remember what year it was, but it was great. I had a great time making it. Yep, is that still out there available for folks? It's on Spotify and everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. nice. Yeah, yeah. With your dad being a guitar player, why, 
Why did you start so late? Was there was it kind of like a push pull? I didn't want to do it because my dad does it, or was it um, just didn't catch your interest until later on? I think some of the former because my I should mention also my brother is a great guitarist and he he's younger than me, but he picked it up before I did and just took off in a way that took me a really long time to get comfortable with it. So I think it might have been part of like, okay, well, maybe I can't keep up and then maybe I want to do my own thing. But somehow everything just came back to music. I, I tried visual art as a form of expression. I tried poetry and I still dabble in other things, but music just always felt like the, the real thing, the right thing. And you started out learning from your dad? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny to think back because at the end of middle school, I asked him to teach me Good Riddance by Green Day. And it's like three chords. And I don't remember which, but one of them stumped me. And I just, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to learn guitar now. <laughs> and then I waited like three years before I tried again. Um, did he teach you uh, classically trained guitar or did he teach you what you wanted to know? He taught me pieces that Interestingly enough, he loves pieces that are outside of the classical canon that are more folk instrumentals, like British folk revival stuff, for example. But Long live he, the Queen. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> but um, he would play them in a classical style. So it's funny because he was always very technique focused. Mm-hmm. But then I would look up videos of these folk guitarists for whom technique is quite secondary to sound very often and be like, oh, they're doing totally different stuff all mm-hmm. the time, you know. Um, and so he got me started on a path of finger picking for one thing, but then I kind of just started looking at whatever that style had to offer mm. wherever I could find it. Did he teach you through like, uh, drills and scales and <laughs> he was kind enough not to, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. not that, I mean, that's a, that's the way to become a really good musician, honestly, but I think that it wouldn't have worked for me. It's boring, well, I don't man. think it's the way to start though. We've nah. had, I mean, we've had so many people come in here and, you know, they were turned off by early lessons and it kind of put them way behind. Yeah. yeah. You know, or, or they didn't go back to that instrument at all. I mean, it's yeah. come up a lot. Or they, they became a bass player is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's a good reminder. I wouldn't change a thing about the way I've learned and come up with music because um, I, I don't know what I'd be like, you know. Yeah. I like what I'm doing now. So, so uh, like coming up young, what were you listening to? With I, Because I, you know, I, none of my parents or anybody were musicians other than like, you know, outside fam, uh, friends of the family. But uh, classical, I, I just couldn't imagine hearing classical music all the time. Was that something that that you listened to growing up a lot because dad played it? Or was, was it just like normal top 40 radio? Or was it just a big mix? How did, uh, like, how did your taste for listening to music develop? It was a big mix, for sure. Um, as far as classical goes, that was mostly limited to what my dad would play. I don't remember classical music being like on the stereo Mm -hmm. around the house. What I do remember just so clearly from my childhood that I love to think about is dancing around to to actual records in our living room, Mm -hmm. the house where I grew up. My parents would put on um, Dire Straits. They had a like a Steve Winwood record that I, and I have these now, you know, (laughs) because I I love records. I collect them. Um, Super like, audiophile uh, (laughs) in some ways 
Anyway, so it would be stuff like that. My mom loved uh, Neil Young, loves Neil Young, and uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Joni Mitchell, and so that stuff was always in the car on my way to school and stuff like that. Those memories are really dear. Funny how music's tied to memories because as, as you're talking yeah. about that, I remember, and it seems like it probably wasn't this long. It seems like it was years as a kid. Sunday nights at our house. My parents always played Peter Frampton live, <laughs> oh, the, the, the double album, <laughs> while we were, while they were getting ready for b- bowling to go to their bowling. League. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Forever. So <laughs> I, whenever awesome. I hear any Peter Frampton live song or any other, you know, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. I always think, I always think <laughs> about bowling. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that is music engages some oh, man. memories big time. No kidding. Sure. No kidding. You can just flash out. Just yeah. like that. It's one thing I love about it. Yeah. It's a timekeeper in, in a lot of time capsule in a lot of ways. I did hear a little bit of classical music growing up, though. My dad would listen to classical music. Nerd. No, I'm just and kidding. They, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I and, they would, and, and they also listened to, uh, I'm probably going to butcher the name. Is it is it Raji Shankar? Raji Robbie Shankar. Robbie Shankar. <laughs> I think. Yeah. They would... Uh, I they just know him as Nor Jones' dad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, right. everybody, everybody that's the that. most important thing he's ever done in his life. <laughs> Once a year, I forget that fact, and someone reminds me of oh, it, dude. and I'm like, "What? <laughs> oh no, I <laughs> did." So, Dylan, at what point did you start to realize? Hey, I think this is you know something that's I'm starting to realize music's really important to me, and I'm going to make this a big part of my life. Where did that happen? It's it has happened like multiple times and then I've (laughs) turned away. I don't know whether out of laziness or or fear or some combination, you know, Um, for this kind of run at things that really happened um, in the spring of this year. Um, I had some song ideas from about five years ago that I had abandoned, but were finished. And um, I was coming away from a different style of music. I was involved in flamenco guitar for quite a long period of time, which was super fun and taught me just like so much more to bring back to my writing, you know. But ultimately, I wasn't able to express myself in the way that I needed in that format is what I found. Do you have any flamenco dancers around you? Yeah, yeah, I was working with dancers and stuff. It's um, Ooh. it is a an incredible <laughs> and a demanding art form. You yeah. have to be a metronome, you know. Oh yeah, um, couldn't imagine. Yeah, but it's cool stuff. And so I came away from that kind of like, well, I have some songs and I have some ideas, and I need to express myself. So, what if I revisit this instrumental guitar idea that I've at least dipped a toe into before? And as soon as people started responding. Uh, it became a lot easier to put myself out there. You yeah, know? yeah. We well, need to do it more often, man. We need more than nine Instagram posts. <laughs> All right, you got it, man. <laughs> this, this is how it happens, you know? <laughs> uh, so before you started, did did you sing before in the past? Have you... Yeah, mm -hmm. I sang all all through kind of high school when I was learning. uh, The church that I came up in put on a coffee house open mic night once a month, which was a real cultural experience for me because it brought in people from all walks of life. And um, it was also an opportunity where I could sing relatively free of judgment. Um, And so I would do that, do covers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It's it's (laughs) nice sometimes, but... (laughs) (laughs) They'll let anybody sing at church. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. (laughs) I've heard them. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And so I came up doing that some, but then once I was involved in this folk band, it became more, okay, well, 
writing my own songs, writing songs with people, singing in harmony, you know, complex pieces. Um, I did that for about three years and then just kind of decided to be an instrumental artist to not write lyrics anymore. Uh, so was in that my early twenties? So was that coming out of uh, Beatty? Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So you did that for how long were were you guys? Uh, I think about together? three years, and that was kind of in the tail end of high school. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, so into college. So you went from that, which is the folk stuff, into the instrumental stuff, uh, kind of for a switch, change of direction for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a gap somewhere. So where? There's, I guess there's a few gaps, like you said. So there, because you start playing the instrumental stuff. And then how long do you do that before you either change styles or just put it down and walk away for a little bit? Well, I had a couple different things going on. Coming out of BD, I was in a band called North the North. We were doing post-rock three-piece. Um, super fun, but we were like not trying to really tour and things like that. Um, but of course, playing that kind of music was very informative. I actually love post-rock. Uh, it's one of my favorite genres. Uh, and so I guess that finished after about a year and a half. And then I think I actually didn't play anything for another little while. I got out of college and was just so concerned with work and figuring out what a lifestyle is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That um, I guess I didn't have time for it. You, When you say didn't play at all, you mean you weren't picking up a guitar? Not really. Maybe yeah. at campfires. I think that I transitioned into like, okay, I can do wagon wheel at a campfire <laughs> for, for some friends, you know, for a little while there. Uh, which is which is all good fun. Oh yeah, know. man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a good uh, wagon wheel campfire session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's always been periods of uh, upheaval in my life that have made me come back to this thing that perhaps is centering for me. You know. Oh that, yeah. That maybe I need. <laughs> yeah, it makes a ton of sense. It is. It's uh, music in general tends to be that for a lot of, especially a lot of artists we meet, and they when they talk about. Uh, getting out of chaos, it tends to be focusing back on the music, the instrument, uh, the writing process, some form of creativity, you know? And, and a lot of times out of out of that chaos comes some great, great stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how many podcasts and stuff I listen to and they talk about chaos and, and uh, comedy, you know, uh, not having... When things are perfect, it's hard to dive into something to make it emotional enough to kind of convey a feeling in some some ways you kind of need a little bit of that struggle uh sometimes even self-created struggle <laughs> just just to you know draw from a place of of uh i think it's just human i think we kind of are built to operate at our best with a little bit of stress yeah you know, you got to be, you got to feel a little bit of stress of some kind to really reach. Even biologically. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I got, I yeah. got you. Mm-hmm. We got deep. Said, well, <laughs> I said one time, you know, uh, Tiger Woods was, was at his best in golf when he was doing things like cheating on his wife. And, <laughs> <laughs> and his dad was watching him, so he's stressed yeah. out that his dad might beat him with a belt or something. He... <laughs> so you said, if I, I think I heard you right, so you, you just decided, hey, I think I'm going to pursue this instrumental thing like in the spring. Is that right? Is that what you said? Yeah, at least for this iteration of it. I did have a project. He's already planning on walking away. 
no, no. Well, that's what I was going to ask about, though. You, you, you said you came, you came into this with five songs or, or five songs that have been around for five years or something. But so, so were yeah. those instrumental songs? So you, you've been there in the past or were these songs you changed to instrumental? I have been there in the past. Okay. I uh, played solo instrumental music under the name Echolalia for a short time in town here. Um, and in that format, I played an electric guitar and I would use loop pedals. So I'd kind of build soundscapes and play pieces that were more kind of in that uh, vein of writing. Okay. Um, and yeah, a couple of the pieces that came from that project when I started writing in a more lyrical, perhaps compositional way. I'm not sure. Uh, but those pieces felt interesting enough when I started playing again to revive. All right. So I got, the, I got a question um, about when you were using your loop station and building soundscapes. Was that, when you, when you approach those type of gigs or those type of situations, do you go into that free form or do you have an idea or is it just kind of, do you have a set of things that you are, right, I'm definitely playing these or this chunk of, of stuff, but I'm also going to see what happens. You know, man, it was always planned out verbatim. Really? With Echolalia. Yeah. And I think that that was a result of limitations that I had as a musician that I'm at least starting to overcome. Cause when I think of that kind of music now, I think about how amazing it would be to lean into what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, to, to improvise a little bit and let things happen. But it was very much composed uh, back then. Are these, were the, are these plain limitations or mental limitations? Hmm. Definitely. Probably all three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the trifecta. <laughs> yeah, it'll shut it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. shut it down quick, uh -huh. man. So as you get into this and like you know, make it your brand, make it make it what Dylan Blue is about is instrumental music. What what do you find to be the challenges that maybe other musicians don't face that aren't strictly instrumental? Finding an audience, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and I, I've already gotten a lot of good feedback, like I mentioned, and have people who are really resonating with it. But I think it is probably a fact that fewer people are interested in instrumental music than are music with lyrics, you know, in general. Um, I think that it does draw smaller crowds, generally. Um, it's probably harder to convince venues to take that first shot on you when you say, well, I'm going to play solo guitar and I'm not singing, you know. Um, of course, I'm not doing this without precedent. There are great guitarists from all over the world who have based entire solo careers on mostly instrumental material. Um, but not everyone knows that. Yeah. That's what comes to mind for me. I think it's time to have you play us a song, man. Yeah, yeah. man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Let's so this it. is, uh, you, you, you don't really have any uh, recordings of your new stuff yet, right? Not yet. Hopefully remedy that. Yeah. Very soon. Well, we're going to get some tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of soon. So tell us a little bit about what you're going to play for us. Well, I'm going to play this first song is called um, Over the Town Wall. And it is the first one that I wrote kind of coming into this new period of songwriting that we've talked about together. Um, and so it's very important to me. It, um, to me, conveys feelings of movement, uh, something of a journey, and moving outside of your comfort zone, but 
maybe you need to, you know. Um, other than that, I think I'll just let it speak for itself. All right. <laughs> Over the it. town wall. Here we go. That's, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Woo! Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that was we didn't awesome. even let him warm up either. Nah. <laughs> He's a pro, man. I mean, I think listeners got to appreciate. That's what gotta, the bourbon's for. Yeah. You give them the, that's the warm up. That's the warm up. Got to understand that we just, we didn't do anything. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't even adjust the mic. We didn't do anything. That was his podcast mic. Just pick up the guitar and asked him to play. That was awesome. Amazing. So Y'all Dylan, set a good vibe in here. Oh, <laughs> Dylan, but. Please tell me you practice a lot. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> All you know, and it's it's never as much as I think I would like to, yeah. but it's as much as I can. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah, I try. Say the great thing about the that you learned about this podcast is nobody gets good by not not practicing. True. Mm, Every, true. Everybody <laughs> they, they, they talk about how hard they work at being great. That is, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's some natural talent just there like is. there is in basketball. I'll never dunk a basketball, but you do. <laughs> I mean, you hear from everybody. Anybody that's really good practices a lot. Yeah, or spent most of their childhood practicing yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's about time, man, time and reputation. So I got, I remind repetition, myself repetition. every time I say something that's similar to, man, I wish I could play like that. Then I follow it up with, 
No, you don't. You practice for it. <laughs> you just do it. <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's a good philosophy, honestly. I do I do believe that, you know, uh, people can do this. People can play like that or like whatever guitarist or musician they like. Um, they just, yeah, you got to put in that time. And Endless. Endless. You have an issue with timing. <laughs> yeah. There's a great interview with Thundercat where he says, that's why like, I'll never hire uh, someone in my band if you can't dance. Because uh, like, yeah. if you don't have rhythm, then, Thundercat. Not enough people know who that is. <laughs> He's yeah. amazing. Mm. You don't. Yeah, well, you, you know, Look it's, it up. it's, uh, it does make me wonder though. I always think because I do, it's not like when I, when I do engage in practice, it's not like there's not a return. Like every if I if I, if I really decide I'm going to practice an hour every day, and I don't know, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot to it people is. like you dealing. But if I'm going to sit down and practice an hour a day, and I do it for say three weeks, I can see in that shorter time that I've gotten way better. Yeah. But then I just quit. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, man, I don't uh, I don't get an hour in every day. Yeah. You right? know, I practice yeah. every day, but it's not always even an hour. It might be, you yeah. know, Dude, even if it's 10 minutes, run a couple scales, do something. Exactly. Keep your keep your dexterity, do the little things. Now, that is something I do more than I used to. So I, I keep the guitar hanging on the wall. That's huge. Down in the main room. So I walk by it 20 times a day mm. and I'll just pick it up and play it for four or five minutes sometimes. That's practice. You know, do some pentatonic scales or play one song or do something, you know. So mm -hmm. I, I, I probably do, I probably do pick it up more days than I don't, I'm sure. It yeah. helped me when I started keeping mine hanging on the wall like you have here. Yeah. I would, the just the obstacle of having to take it out of the case for whatever reason oh, yeah. would stop me every time. I yeah. can't undo those three. Dude, <laughs> 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 I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. You know, it, it is a game changer when it's in your face. And you know you love it. You know you love to do it. It's just a matter of, like you said, if it's hidden, it's real easy just to not think about it. Yeah, yeah, you know? it is. It really is. But that it is true, man. Every time you get a chance to practice, and, and a lot of times when you pick it up and you know you just play a GCD, it doesn't feel like practice, but you're still doing something that is musical. Yeah. You're still moving your yeah. fingers and making your mind think musically, even if it's just something simple. It's not getting. Are you getting better? Maybe not, but you're using that muscle. And yeah, that, that's important. Yeah. At least maintaining, yeah. contributing to maintaining. Yeah. So how many songs, Dylan, do you have ready to ready to record? Ready to record? Yeah. I would say five. Um, I would really like to do a strong five-song EP before the year is out. Yeah. Um, I have a couple avenues on how to make that happen. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to happen yet, but... Yeah, uh, it will. I will be posting about it ad nauseum when I finally get it figured out. <laughs> yeah. You'll have most of those be, recorded tonight, man. Yeah, well, that's the thing, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that'll be one of them. Uh, over the town wall uh, will be one of the five for sure. The four that I'm going to play tonight will all be on the EP. So, oh, yeah. so you, I saw on Instagram you. Uh, you you posted a little bit. I don't know if you guys were rehearsing, and it looked like it might have been, or maybe playing out somewhere. But you were playing with Ellie Ruth. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys play together often? Well, we're starting to. We've done um, two performances together as of right now. Or, well, a couple things that are more like jams or open mics, and then one like show, show. And she's an amazing musician. I, I mean, y'all yeah. have had her out here, yeah. you know. Well, we have high praise for O'Willie Ruth, man. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Um, and she's just such a, a good friend and warm person too. What? You she know? was yeah, a right. tyrant what? in the studio, man. She walked around here yelling at people. And, no, I'm just kidding. She's amazing. Yeah. So we've, and, and the way that she brings my pieces to life is really wonderful because I don't have quite a uh, classical education. I don't have a, a background in sort of a communicative form like jazz. So I'm not great at communicating what I need or want in these songs. And for some reason, she just picks it up and does it. So, yeah. Yeah. We're going to try to do that uh, a good bit more often, I think. Yeah, I do believe she is the one of the best representations of Louisville music these days. She is just I, I the love, top of, of the of the heat. Yep. Yeah. I love her original music that she's oh, written. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. And Those you, songs. Yeah. They're just killer, man. Yeah. The tastefulness that she brings to all the stuff that she does. And, and like, I mean, Hot Brown Smackdown is great. They've been great. They got better when she oh, jumped on yeah. by like double. Yeah. It instantly became... Uh, more fun to watch. And, and we, yeah. you know, that's one thing we love to do is if we can come see people that have been around here on the podcast or we definitely uh, get out and do that. We've seen her a few times and, and uh, yeah, man. You, it's always fun. Always, 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 a always, always a treat. Always yeah. a treat. Yeah. Let's hear another one, Dylan. Let's do it. What you I got for to, us? I'm going to have to slightly retune for this one. Okay. Um, this next one I'm going to play is called uh, Strong of Arm, Frail of Heart. And it is one of those that I wrote uh, quite a long time ago, um, about five or six years ago. Um, it's going to be, uh, well, I, I think of it as kind of a, a song of like bittersweetness. It carries feelings of um, kind of memory that is uh, beautiful, but carries some weight of regret. Um, yeah, that's that's what it does for me. What are you playing tonight? What kind of guitar is that? This is a lag. It's a French brand that I actually just discovered because I was looking for a guitar and uh, happened to find this one at a guitar center, played it for about a half hour, and it it did what I wanted out of these songs, you know? It had the bass that I wanted. It does it have a nice kind of a woodiness, end. yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially the style you're playing. Yeah, for sure, for those the low tunings and stuff. Mm -hmm. So appreciate that about it. Lag, how's that spelled? L-A-G. Come LAG. on, man. <laughs> You're an educator. Well, you know, it's French. I don't know. Well, right. <laughs> it's actually called a lage. <laughs> lage. Lage. I'm playing a lage. So, Neil, do you uh, depress your strings when you put your capo on? Um, Most of the time I do now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even know you were supposed to do that until... Well, it just... Saw somebody doing it the other day on a YouTube video, and he just said... Now, wait, I don't know about this. Well, if you depress your strings when you put your capo on, it won't move the... Separate your strings. It keeps them all close enough to the yeah, fretboard. That's that, the theory. Yeah. We'll see. Now, I'm learning something today. So. There we go. Well, and that might be the thing, because on your low end, that, that low E, that, or the high E that you were just messing with there, whatever it's in now, it might just be... That could have... I could have done it, yeah. Who knows? All right, we in tune, Dylan? Yeah, you want to hear this one? Yeah! Hell yeah. All right.
Bullshit. <laughs> Good now? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm glad, I'm glad we were wrong. Yeah. You got a lot of just instrumental players. Yeah. <laughs> that was nice. Dramatic mm, pause. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So what does a, uh, a Dylan Blue show look like right now? You say you got the, you know, these five or so originals that, that you've got kind of wrapped up. When, uh, when somebody comes out to see you, what do they get? They will get um, generally uh, me solo playing those songs and trying my best to charmingly talk about where they come from <laughs> in between the sets, a, an essential part of the art form that I'm still working on. Um, and I like to think that, well, for, for one thing, I know that I play the songs differently every time and not in terms of structure, but the embellishments that mm -hmm. I bring in and things, it always kind of comes off the top of my head. And so you know, for one thing, you're going to get that real in the moment experience. Um, and for another, I think that these songs are very engaging in a live setting. I think that they're an opportunity to connect with someone else's with my emotional palette, but like maybe to connect with your own through experiencing that. I don't know. I hope so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. It's a, you know, very lean in type of stuff you know mm. in my opinion it's just that it, it makes you want to listen a little harder and, and hear all the intricacies of especially for me as a guitar player and uh, I, that's I'm watching what you're doing where I think as a consumer or listener people would just be listening and leaning in and listening to the the melody and the music and what's what's going on behind uh, because there is really kind of two, you know, you got your main line, then you got what you're doing over top of it with the accents and the embellishments and the things that make it that, that really do pull you in. Um, so it is, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, after these, this, these five songs, because it sounds like this is where, you know, these five songs were really close, if not already finished. So I'm interested to see now that you're back engaged what what, what comes? The next, yeah, what, what the, the next, next round sounds like? What, yeah. what are these next five going to be? Are you writing? You know? I am writing, yeah. Okay. So I have some idea of what they're going to be like. And just to clarify, the the first one I played, Over the Town Wall, is one that I wrote uh, kind of starting in February. Oh, so oh, that is right. very recent. Oh, right uh, strong of Arm, Frail of Heart, quite older. Um, and I'm going to play two more, I'll say, uh, when I wrote them. So one is recent, one is old. The one you just played is a little bit older. Mm -hmm. The first one's a little bit more recent, which already makes me go, all right, I can't wait because the first one is vastly different from the second one. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure that's kind of the uh, theme. They're all going to be, you know, have their own little setting, but uh, the first one has a little bit more bite. The second one is a little sweeter and, you know, it's just, uh, I wonder... It'll be interesting to see where these next songs go. That's all. I can't yeah, wait yeah, to think, see. It'll be I, cool. I think so too. I'm glad. I'm glad you're excited too, man. Yeah, man. Because um, I am. I'm writing some stuff. I'm really excited about. I'm struggling with that. Uh, 
I want to push it out, but I need to finish it before I do. Question, maybe Mm -hmm. suggestion on any of those ones that you're kind of battling on um, and trying to figure out that next part, break out the loop pedal and let it sit. Play it, let it sit, and see where does it need to go from here. Because that's, I just, you know, uh, it yeah. might lead to that next thing without you having to consciously play it. Think about what's next. Yeah, just, just kind of see what comes out of your fingers. So what the hell's going on here? Yeah. It, it'll speak to you. Great idea. It's it's a it's probably a different way to write too, which is we'll we'll maybe flip a switch in the brain to give you a little bit more openness yeah. to widen up what you want to do as far as. If it's different than staring out a window and saying, God, I wish I could write, then it might work for me. You know? Hey, dude, I, st- I think I stare out that same window, bro. <laughs> oh, man. So, Dylan, our uh, listeners that want to follow this journey here, where, where can they find you? You've already uh, promised you're going to start posting on Instagram a little more. Yeah, well, so. now it's in stone, right? <laughs> so, you can find me on Instagram at uh, Dylan underscore blue underscore L-O-U for Louisville. Uh, and that's that's most of what I have going on right now, honestly, as far as the socials go. Okay. Or rather, that's all that I have going on right now. <laughs> hey, man, put a link to uh, BD up there too on Spotify. Let's let people see the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, go, go cool. listen to BD. Honestly, great, great tunes. Yeah. Uh, I miss some of those tunes quite a lot. And uh, yeah, that was a great album. Had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, listen yeah, to I'm going to listen sure. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, so awesome. uh, we appreciate you coming out and talking with us. And we're going to Stick around, have you stick around and do some one shots, but I'd also like to ask you to take us out with a with a tune. You got, you got another one you can play for us? I tell you I do. I think the one to take you out on is um probably the other recent tune. Oh, all right. Uh, yep. So this one, um, this one's called uh Lost and Finding. And I should mention that uh Ellie Ruth helped me find the title for that. I was having a real hard time figuring out what to call this well, tune. Isn't that an interesting title then? Lost in finding a title. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe so, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little on the nose perhaps. But um, it has, it, it, I think that it has feelings of, um, well, you know, lost in finding. Like I said, I feel that um, you can often like find goals that you didn't expect when you're in the wilderness, like if you're on a trail and you're focused, like some, there's a lot you can miss out on, but when you're just in the rough of it, you find a lot of things that you didn't expect. And I think that that has been what my life has been like recently. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've been out in the wilds and, but also having a lot of new experiences and learning a lot. So okay. I think that's where it came from. You know? oh. Anyway, here we go.
Yeah, man. Hi, Dylan, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Dylan. Thank y'all. Happy to be here. Thanks.